As a young man, I had experienced firsthand and quite often the indignities, the brutality of the Roman occupation, an affront to Israel. Eventually, I uh, joined in with the Zealots, spent my nights plotting against the Romans, spent my days taking down names, noting any Jew who, in my opinion, didn't show sufficient hatred for our enemies. I was determined to return Israel to its proper authority. It was black and white. So why, as an old man, with my hard and uh, certain ways, did I find myself sitting across the table from a man who, who taught the exact opposite of everything I've fought for my entire life? <laughs> I can't answer that with any reasonable explanation. At the meal that night, the Passover meal, I think someone later dubbed it uh, the Last Supper, Jesus gathered all of us around the table, his, his enthusiastic followers. He passed around bread, he poured wine, he spoke unsettling words. This is my blood of the covenant, he said, which is poured out for many. Those words, my blood poured out, they hung in the air. I, of course, was familiar with pouring out blood. I mean, what great cause worth fighting for does not spill some blood. Jesus, I think, had a different idea about what it meant to pour out blood. Well, we all knew, well, I knew anyway, what Messiah was all about. Messiah was coming to bring the sword to destroy our enemies, to spill their blood. Jesus told us to love them instead. And all the battles I had fought, which for my whole life had seemed so right, just sifted through my hands like dust. And that night, I began to lay it all down, bit by bit, finally, my causes and to simply follow step by step, follow this man, this curious, curious warrior, Jesus. Sorry, I get caught up every time I watch that and I forget that it's ending. Welcome today to our Easter Sunday gathering. It's Resurrection Sunday. Now, let me try something, and we'll see how you guys do. It's a test, all right? I know I hate tests, but I'm, doing, I'm giving you guys one just because I, I, I need to. He is risen. Well, you got it right, but it was pretty lame. Uh, so I guess technically it's correct. Okay, let's try it again. He is risen. A little better. Okay, we'll try it one more time. I, okay, try to impress me this time. He is risen. risen. All right, thank you. I like the, that was good. That was good. All right. Well then, just a note before we get going today, uh, the ladies have been meeting on Mondays for quite a while now doing uh, different Bible studies. Tomorrow they're pausing because it's Easter Monday and they're going to continue on Tuesday this week. So if you're one of the ladies involved in that, please uh, don't come tomorrow. It'll be locked and uh, and stop because Jesus came back and you were left behind. Uh, It's just... 
Easter Monday, all right. Well, who knows? Maybe. Well, I shouldn't say that. Who knows? Okay. You better get it right today so you don't have to worry about it tomorrow. All right. That was a bad, that was a bad joke. Okay. Uh, today is part five of our Easter series this year. I've titled today's message, Invisible God. And uh, I want to just put that out there, and I'm going to explain myself for the next 20 minutes, okay? Invisible God. Welcome to our Easter Sunday gathering. Today is known as Resurrection Sunday. Why is it known that way? Because today we celebrate that Jesus rose from the dead, all right? If you go to his tomb today, like I've already said, he is not there because he's risen. Some of you have been reading along with me in our Authentic Life journals, which reminds me of scriptures to give you at the end of the day that I forgot to print off, all right? So don't leave without them. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, and uh, on Friday, excuse me, we ran, uh, read from John chapter 19. Today we're going to read from John chapter 20, if you've been reading along like me. So let's read John chapter 20, verses 1 through 10. It says this, now on the first day of the week, you guys know that Sunday's the first day of the week? I didn't know that growing up, just so you know. Sunday's the first day of the week. Well, you know, well, it's because everyone says it's Monday, but it's actually Sunday, all right? Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple. I love it when John writes the other disciple, because he's actually just talking about himself, right? It's kind of funny. He actually uses humor if you read it correctly. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple to whom Jesus loved. So he's telling everyone, Jesus loves me. He doesn't love Simon. And said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together. But the other disciple <laughs> outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Uh, am I the only one that finds that funny? I think that's hilarious. It's like, sucker. All right. Poor Peter. And reached the tomb first, and stooping to look in, he saw the linen clothes lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came eventually, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen clothes lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, <laughs> also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. Jesus is alive. The firsthand account from John and Peter is rather incredible. When we think of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the truth that he is risen from the dead, he has never died, uh, or yeah, he's never died, and today he is still alive. We recognize that those are significant statements. The meaning there is deep. So let's look at it with another scripture text. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, it says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears then you also will appear with him in glory. This passage in Colossians has been described as a focus on practical Christian living. Before we lived for Jesus, before we met Jesus, before we accepted him into our hearts as our Lord and Savior, we lived one way. 
We live based on how the world around us was taught and revealed to us. But now that we have Jesus in our heart, everything must change. Everything in terms of how we live our lives. Here's our first thought today. Back to life. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we've been raised back to life with him. You and me. Well, what does that mean, Pastor? Well, here's some things Jesus did after he rose from the dead on Resurrection Sunday today. If his resurrection, Jesus, after his resurrection, excuse me, Jesus left the tomb, so should we. We don't live there anymore. Some of us live like we're dead. If that's not, I'm not trying to be funny, actually. I'm being serious. Some of us live like we're dead. You are dead to sin and alive in Christ. What you did yesterday, you don't do today because you are alive in Christ. Well, what do you mean, Pastor? Well, if you spent all your free time your, uh, during your weekend getting drunk before you met Jesus, you removed that behavior from your life because the Bible tells us not to be drunk on wine. Simple. If you gossiped about whomever, your neighbor, your coworker, your friends, your crazy family, psychos. If you gossiped about whomever, gossiping simply means you're not a part of the problem or the solution. If you gossip about whomever, the Bible tells us not to gossip. So you stop. After his resurrection, Jesus spent his remaining time being with and ministering to his disciples. So should we live our lives to be with and to serve one another. It's pretty deep, isn't it? Live our lives to be with and to serve one another. Well, who do you serve is the question. The next one here is after his resurrection, Jesus lived in supernatural power with the ability to do impossible things. So should we with the power and the enabling of the Holy Spirit. Of these three small things I mentioned, you know that this one's my sweet spot. Everything that Jesus did, he told us we could do, and that by the power of Holy Spirit, we would do greater things. Well, Pastor, Jesus raised people from the dead. Yeah, that means when you and I pray for someone that's dead, they can come back to life. Can I share a testimony real quick? I don't, I don't, this isn't, I, sh I probably shouldn't say this online, but anyways, it's, I'll get in trouble later. I have a relative I'm all I'm going to say is they fell such a distance off of something that they shouldn't be alive. And they made it through because someone placed an object on the ground beforehand <laughs> and they fell on it. And they're in the hospital still, but they're getting better and they're conscious now. So someone who should have been dead is alive because of the power of God, right? Well, that was just random. They just, it's always. If you and I jump off the building today, it's not going to go well, right? Right. I know some of us think we can bounce, but I don't think so. After his resurrection, Jesus lived in supernatural power with the ability to do impossible things. So should we. When I was younger, I thought this meant that I could be Superman. That's not what this means, all right? This is not what this, oh, that would be cool, but that's not what this means. 
We should live with the we should live in the ability that the power of the spirit is enabled in us to do the works that God has called us to do. That people would be raised from the dead, that blind eyes would be opened, that deafness would be removed and lives would be restored. That's just a few things. Again, everything that Jesus did, he told us we could do and that by the power of the spirit, we would do greater things. Here's a little reminder that we have a Holy Spirit series next month. So make sure you're part of that. Here's the next one. After his resurrection, Jesus looked forward to heaven, knowing he would soon enough ascend there. So should we, recognizing that our citizenship is in heaven. Now, some of you are old enough to be my parents. We may even have a few in here that are old enough to be my grandparents. Does life go quickly, anybody? Does it go quickly? Okay, we can agree on that. We should be focused on heaven. Soon enough, we'll be there. Right? Recognizing that our citizenship is with Jesus and the Father in heaven. This right here, you can pinch yourself, slap your face, I don't care. Grab a hold of the chair. This is not our home. It's hard to fathom on this side of heaven that this is not our home. But this is, when we think of God's word and what he teaches us, this is a temporary place. We will spend eternity with Jesus. I remember a sermon illustration one time. I'm terrible at sermon illustrations, so I don't use, use props and stuff because I, I just get confused. But there was one with this rope. This is a good one. You, you just put a rope across this, the stage like this. And on one part of it, on the rope, there's a little piece of like tape and that is our lives in the scope of eternity this is not our home so who are we who are we taking with us when we think of eternity who are we taking with us one commentator wrote let your earthly practice be worthy of your heavenly position let me say that again let your earthly practice be worthy of your heavenly position is what you're practicing here worthy of your heavenly position? Here's our next thought today. So first one, back to life. Second one, focus on your heavenly position. Focus on godliness means that I constantly look to Jesus in all circumstances. This week, I got a, I got a rant here. Are you guys okay if I rant a little bit? All right. I do it anyways, I guess. But, you know, this, this is a particularly enormous rant. This week, I got a strange call. I'm actually reluctant to share this in case the person's watching or here or something. But anyways, it's okay. I'll, I'll be nice to them. It was an office that needed assistance with a homeless, a drifter-type person. And normally, I'd be more eager to help. But my schedule the last few weeks and the next few weeks coming has been so tight that I actually didn't have time to help. And to, to make matters even more difficult, the person that needed help was in Sudbury, all right? So it's like an hour there, an hour back, got to deal with it. It's going to take the whole day, all right? I've done it before. The individual who called on behalf of this homeless drifter person in need, man, oh, let me go. They were so short with me, like curt with me on the phone. Oh, it just drove me a little nutty. I'm still kind of freaking out about it. So I did what I could, but I didn't get it done in a timely manner. So I was called by this curt person again, like 10 minutes later. And they said, did you figure it out? And I was like, oh, you just, oh. 
And the truth was, I was busy. I was busy. I had stuff to do. And I, and I didn't want to help, especially on the second call. But because of the situation with the individual, I knew this person that was actually in need needed some help. I knew that. And because I felt like I couldn't do any more, I thought, what, God, what can I do? And I felt the Spirit just kind of urging me and saying, Jesus would do more. And I thought, oh. <sighs> so I made one more call. I'd already made one call for help, and it didn't work. But I'd made, I had to make it like a second call. So I made another call. I was ticked because the person that was causing all this grief in my life could have just made the call themselves, but that's a whole other. So I made another call, and someone was able to help that was close to the person in the location in Sudbury. So it was good. So why am I sharing this? Because my soul said to me, you're too busy to deal with someone else's problems. That's what my soul said. You're too busy. But the spirit of the Lord within me spoke even louder and said to take care of the little, the least, and the lost. So focus on godliness means that I constantly look to Jesus in all circumstances. Same thing happens to me when one of my sons says, can you help me with something? And I'm watching the baseball game. (laughs) It's not Leland, just kidding. One thing I learned from school that I still find super helpful. <laughs> Sounds like one thing, the only thing I learned from school. <laughs> are any teachers in here today or are they all downstairs? Oh, Lisa's here. Uh-oh. <laughs> Won't look over there anymore. <laughs> Oops. One thing I learned from school that I still find super helpful as an adult. Peer pressure sucks. And adults deal with it most of their lives. When I was in school, it was like, yo, you, you stupid teenager. Well, they didn't say stupid, but, you know, you teenagers, it's you guys deal with peer pressure. No, everyone does. It's not just teenagers. Here's a question to us. Are you more concerned about how you are seen to your peers than to, to how you are seen in God's kingdom? Let me say it again. Are you more concerned about how you are seen to your peers than to how you are seen in God's kingdom? Do you care more what your friend think your friend thinks than following the instructions in life of the Lord Jesus? Once you were dead in sin before Jesus, now you are dead to sin because Jesus lives in your heart. If you have Jesus in your heart, you are fully alive. Uh, they, we had a gathering this morning at the Baptist church in town, and uh, uh, Tim Faulkner from the Lighthouse, you know, he talked about how Jesus is what it means for Jesus to be a part of our lives and in our lives. And the truth is, and he reminded us of it this morning, if you have Jesus in your heart, you are fully alive. The Bible actually says that without Jesus, we're actually just dead. Christ is the hope of glory. Someday soon, that hope that is within each of us will be revealed. That's the promise of the scriptures. Hear it this way. Let me explain it this way. You are made full in him. Now live out that fullness in daily life. Colossians 2 verse 10 says this, And you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. In the New King James it says, And you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. 
You guys notice that the commercials on TV are getting scarier when you actually look at them? Like they talk about people going hungry, not having enough money, all this stuff. And it's kind of like, oh, here we're here to help. And on Instagram, I get all these ads to continue to borrow money, borrow money, borrow money. That's a messed up message, right? That's our world right now. Colossians 2 verse 10. And you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. Does anyone have anxiety about life these days? I do. I've got to hold on to this scripture. You are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. My heavenly position says that I am complete. I don't need another relationship to fulfill me. I'm fulfilled because Jesus lives in me. I don't need a nicer vehicle, a house, a new ATV, a snow machine. I'm fulfilled because Jesus lives in me. I don't need more friends, more followers on social media, more influence in my workplace or in my friend group. Why? Because I'm fulfilled and Jesus lives in me. One commentator wrote this, Oriental Greek and Roman religion said little or nothing about personal holiness. A person could bring sacrifices, say prayers, and go away from the altar to commit terrible sins, and nobody would think he or she was inconsistent. Oh, wait a second. Huh. We haven't changed all that much, have we? Not so with Christianity. The new life within demands a new life without. Since we have died with Christ, we should put to death impure behavior, don't live the way you used to live, Paul cautions in Romans 6. The way the unsaved crowd lives, Christ is your life, and you died with him. Now, let his life show through you day by day. How many of you are excited for spring? Anybody? Okay, it's coming slowly, right? I realized today something about spring that I hate. The stupid chirping birds in the morning. <laughs> And I heard them when I got here this morning, over in the tree over here. Thought those like, this is where I wish I could use a gun. I know, I know, you nature lovers. I know, I know, it's okay. Or just like, shoot them and fry them for dinner or something. I don't know. Come on. <sighs> Every time I hear those, it's funny. I think God's been trying to tell me something for a long time because I, I swear I only hear them when I come in here Sunday morning. It ticks me off just before I go in the office. The scripture tells us that he loves us even more than the sparrow. The one he provides food for, right? Let the life of Christ show through you day by day. I need to work on it on Sunday morning with the birds. Focus on godliness means that I constantly look to Jesus in all circumstances. One commentator wrote this, earthly things are not all evil, but some of them are. Even things harmless in themselves become harmful if permitted to take the place that should be reserved for the things above. You know what I did uh, this weekend? I, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I listen to sport podcasts. Uh, I'm a sports fan. Some of you know that. Uh, I listen to sports podcasts. I listen to tech podcasts about uh, computers and Apple products and stuff like that. I know I'm, like, I'm a little weird, but I, I do some of this. Uh, I listen to some of this stuff. And I, and I do it to hear what people outside of the church, basically, what they talked like. So I, because I, I need to 
no offense, I'm around a lot of church people a lot. So I need to, I need to hear what everyone else says sometimes. And uh, hear what people are thinking and all that kind of stuff. How can you get that from sports? Well, they talk about other things sometimes. So this weekend I was about to listen to a podcast, but it was one of, it was one of my favorites. But the top topic was I was annoyed with the topic. So normally I would listen to it, but this weekend I thought, you know what, I'm not doing it. And so I, I, in that moment I decided, what if I just sacrifice all these other things this weekend and just completely fill my spirit, my mind, what I'm hearing, what I'm thinking about, completely fill it with the presence of God, right? Just, you know, just to pause. Earthly things are not all evil, right? They're not, but some of them are. Even things harmless in themselves become harmful if permitted to take a place that should be reserved for the things above. I can guarantee you, if we walked around with a list of all the things in our life, you know, it would be pretty embarrassing for, you know, for all of us, but if we walked around with all these things, the truth is, any one of us could eliminate a bunch of stuff from each other's lives and say, you don't need that. You'll be okay. Even things harmless in themselves become harmful if permitted to take a place that should be reserved for the things above. Do you know that you can make a god out of anything? Right? We think about like money and uh, fame, fortune, you know, that kind of stuff. You can make your family a god. But you care more about your family, and you, you, you put them above everything. You put them on a pedestal above everything, even the Lord Jesus. Our next thought here is face-to-face. -face. When we see Jesus face-to-face, -face, we will be with him in glory. Let me tell you something. If you wake up someday and you're staring at the face of Jesus, something happened. <laughs> right? Like, something happened. When we see Jesus face to face, we will be with him in glory. Jesus' return isn't just a promise that we will see him again, but a promise we will be with him in glory. Romans 8 verse 19 says, For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Some people will say things to me like, when is Jesus coming back? And of course, my response is going to be, well, I don't know because the Bible doesn't tell us. But the truth is, we're reminded by this scripture that Eve, all of creation, everything around us, is eagerly longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Longing for Christ's return. Some may say that work is life. It's kind of a joke these days. Work is life. Or maybe someone would say, sports is life. There's a uh, famous TV show where this character says, football is life, right? Or some of us may say, my family is life. For a Christian, a believer in Christ, it's rather simple. Jesus is life. Jesus is life. Philippians 1 verse 21 says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So when we live for Christ, we win. Right? When I play NBA 2K on the video games with my son, I get beaten every time. Even when I stack it in my favor. Worst team, best team all time. The game's rigged, I swear. <laughs> he wins every time. It's just like my relationship with Jesus. Jesus is life. We win every time with him.
when we die to ourselves, it's our gain. N.T. Wright wrote, Paul, the prisoner and eccentric Jew to the Romans, and worse than Gentile traitor to the Jews, will be seen as Paul the Apostle, the servant of the king. The Colossians, insignificant ex-pagans from a third-rate country town, will be seen in glory, which, if it were now to appear, one might be tempted to worship. Worship team, if you could join me here. So I have this word for us today. How? 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 How do I get to glory? So how do we get the opportunity to see Jesus face to face? The answer is simple and available for everyone. If we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart he is Lord, then we will be saved. We'll be with him in eternity. I used to get annoyed by preachers and speakers and pastors that would go to churches and stir up stuff. You know, for the pastor that was there, your guest speaker, they come and they stir it up. I've noticed I've started to do that a little bit when I go speaking places. I don't go a lot, but every once in a while. I did on Friday. I spoke at another church. Stir it up a little bit. One of the things that I've been noticing, we're confused as people of God. And here's one. I always joked about this, but I think people are actually confused. Going to church doesn't mean you go to heaven. And somehow, it's in our culture, like, people think this. I'll just go to church, I'm good. Stop that. You would say, well, that's kind of dumb of you to say. You're the pastor. You need people to be at church. Yeah, of course I need people to be here. Of course. But you don't go to church to get saved. You don't just look at the New Testament, which is the the last quarter of a Bible and say, I'm just going to do everything it says in there and I'll get to heaven. No, no. You don't just get to heaven because you're a good boy or girl. I've actually seen this online where people are like, just so you know, if, uh, just having good church attendance doesn't mean you get into heaven. Why are we even saying that? We should know that. Just tie, giving your tithes and offerings, giving money to the church. Oh, I get to go to heaven now. Nope. What is this foolishness? They should create a slap emoji for social media that you just ping, and like animated. When someone says something stupid, you can just ping, right? Maybe vibrate in their pocket, shock them a bit. Oh, man. If we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, he is Lord, then we will be with him in eternity. I joke with Arlene. We got some family members that don't want to talk about Jesus. They get a little clammy and worked up. That's fine. I'm going to get them on their deathbed. That's fine. <laughs> you know, if they get angry, foam with the mouth, well, that's okay. Yeah. Come on. If we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, He is Lord, then we will be with Him in eternity. Now, if you're like me on the younger side of things, if you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you need to show up to church. You need to learn about the gospel. Find a church where they preach, they teach the Bible, and you learn about Jesus. That's fine. You should be there. Should we tithe? Absolutely. I've been tithing every day of my life. Of course. Should we volunteer and serve in the local church? Absolutely. Like, we're at the point here where some people don't serve. We don't do things. It's just because we can't function anymore. We need 20-something people every Sunday to just keep things rolling. 
right? If we don't have, if only five people show up, guess what? Nothing's going to happen. It's just the way it is. So you, we, of course we need to serve. But if you think those things will get you into heaven, open the book again and read it all over. Because you've been deceived. I hope I haven't done it to you. If I have, I'm correcting you. We confess with our mouth and believe in our heart. He is Lord. I told you guys this story. I just feel like it's applicable today. I, I have, I've had, I had an uncle. He wasn't very old when he died. And he, he did not want to talk about Jesus. He was angry. You know, he was angry towards Jesus and the gospel, all this stuff. And uh, I saw him in the hospital. He was dying of cancer. He was going quick. He, he died in three months. It was really fast. Happened uh, four years ago, I think. So I went and saw him, and I was just like, man, this is crazy. We were praying for healing, all this stuff. And uh, as I left the hospital the first time I saw him, when he was in there, I just felt like the Spirit start to urge me. So I didn't do anything about it. I left and went home. And Anyways, I woke up a few days later, and I still had this, this sense inside that something needed to be done. So I was, uh, I actually I remember... Uh, Katie's not here today, but I actually emergency texted her on a Saturday. I said, can you preach in church tomorrow? i got to go down to Toronto. And uh, she did. And uh, anyways, I got there, and I, I actually, I told my dad. My dad, you, some of you know my dad. He can be a bit of a loud dog. And so I, t- I thought, I'm going to tell my dad because he'll hold me accountable. He won't just like, oh, it's okay. Like, he'll like, you know, actually hold me to it. So I said to my dad, I said, someone needs to talk to, Ian was my uncle. I said, someone needs to talk to him about Jesus. I said, even if he gets mad, I don't care. Like, who, who gives a rip? You're mad. You're like, what are they going to do? Seriously. So we went to the hospital and some of my aunt and uncle were there and uh, my mom, my grandfather was there. So we were all kind of gathered in there. It was before COVID, so you could get in, no problem. And so we're in the hospital room. This is, like, this is just a bad situation. You know, you've, you've all seen people dying. Like, it's horrible, right? It's bad. So my, my, two, my aunt, my mom, and my grandfather left. So it was my uncle, who's actually, he used to be a pastor. He's a scholar now, retired scholar. Yeah, my uncle, my dad, and me. And I, I got cold feet again. I was like, I don't want to take my uncle off. So I was actually on my way to leave, and my dad said, are you going to say something? This is what I told my dad. Are you going to say something? And I was like, I, I'm, I'm still guilty of this today. It kind of drives Arlene nuts. I, I just do whatever my parents tell me to do. I just, I still do it. <laughs> oh, man. I still do it. So I said, all right, Dad. I'll, I'll say something. And this amazing thing happened. I, I said, Lord, you got to help me because this brother, my, my, he's not going to listen to me. So I walked over and I said, Ian, I got to talk to you about Jesus. And I thought, if I say that and he starts screaming, then I know I just should leave. And that's his, his decision. And he looked, I said, I need to talk to you about Jesus. He said, yeah, I know. And I shared the gospel with him. And he said, uh, I said, do you believe this stuff? I didn't want to tell him he was dying, but we could all see what was happening. He, he confessed with his mouth. He believed, he believed in his heart. here yesterday with Dave and Emily. Same thing. 
whole life. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. He confessed with his mouth, believed in his heart. Just so you know, church, I don't want to call it a day, but I haven't seen many transformations like that in my life. So when stupid people that I feel like I want to slap on social media, shock them a bit, say, well, that kind of stuff doesn't happen anymore. moving. God is moving. Pastor Andy, Pastor Chris and I, we went to Toronto a couple weeks ago together for a pastor's conference. We stayed at Tyndale because I get the discount because I'm an alumni. And the students were worshiping the night we got there. It's amazing. No one knew they were there. In the chapel, worshiping. That's how I know I'm getting old. I started to cry. Look at all these young people. Generation Z, as people say all kinds of bad stuff about them, here they are, Sunday night, no one knows they're there, they're worshiping. There's a lot of them there. God is on the move. So, our message today, Invisible God. How can you say that, Pastor Jason? Well, it comes from Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. It says this, I want to read it to you. He is image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. We read the beginning of the book of John, John chapter 1. I love it. It's one of my favorites. Behold the Lamb of God who comes to take away my sin. People today, I gotta tell you, it's all about the cross on Calvary. Never lose focus of the cross. Today, I'm believing for God to do something new in us. I'm believing that somebody with us today is going to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. I believe there's a song singing on your heart right now that you can't put words to. But the words on that song go something like this, and it says, I believe He is the Christ the son of the living God. That's what that song is. I'm thinking of those watching online today, those in Little Current, I have no idea who you are. But if those words are what is on your heart, but you've been unable to, to this point, articulate them, I want you to know that you've found Jesus. You've found Jesus. Please allow me to lead you in this prayer today we could just close our eyes together just stay where you are we just close your eyes if you're watching online or you're in little current or you're right here in this room if you feel something pulling on you to surrender your life to jesus to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he is lord i want you to pray this prayer with me i'll pray i'll i'll, I'll share a few words and then you can and 
You can repeat them. You can repeat them out loud. You can repeat them in your head. You can scream them out. I don't care. If you're at home screaming, all the better. You can scream in here too. It doesn't matter. These are the words. This is our prayer today. Thank you, Jesus, that you love me so much. I now turn away from all the bad stuff in my life. Thank you, Jesus, that you died for me so that I could be forgiven and set free. I now receive your forgiveness. I put my trust in you and I ask you to come into my heart. By your Holy Spirit to be with me forever. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with us today, meant it in your heart, I want you to know that there is an army of angels rejoicing. And the scriptures say that because you believe, you will be with Jesus in eternity, our final resting place. I'm going to invite the worship team to lead us in a moment. Pastor Andy, could you come and pray? I didn't tell you I was going to ask you. Pastor Andy's going to pray, and then the worship team's going to lead us. But everyone stand together. take a moment and just thank Christ this morning. Just in your own way, in your own heart, in your own words. Jesus, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. a dead God. You are very much alive. Lord, where the other tombs have people in them, Lord, yours is empty and the stone is rolled away. Lord, you are very much real. You are very much alive. Lord, you want a relationship with us. Lord, I pray that as we think about the words that we just prayed, Lord, make it real to us. Meet us. May we hear from you. And so, God, we thank you, Lord, for the word that uh, you have spoken through our pastor this morning. And, Lord, I pray, Lord, that your spirit would continue to stir up in our hearts, God, the words that we heard. They're more than just words. It's a message from you. Lord, your word is alive and active. It does not return void. And so, God, I pray, Lord, that we take into careful consideration the message that we heard this morning. Lord, because you want to do something with it in each and every one of us. And so, God, I pray, Lord, that as we worship once more, we worship our risen Savior this morning. 
Lord, I pray, God, that you would turn our hearts, Lord, that you would change our minds. Lord, I pray, God, that, that we wouldn't leave this place the same way we came in. So, Lord, continue to move as we worship you one last time this Easter Sunday. In Jesus' name.